Tigers lose one game to the weather and one game to the White Sox, but they win the series finale to get back to 500 on the season. I'll break down those games, preview the upcoming four-game series against the other Sox, and finish with a look at some names that fit the season on today's Locked On Tigers podcast. It is Monday, April 22nd, 2019, and I am your host, Chris Brown. And as always, I ask you to please download, rate, and review this show or any of the other fine Locked On podcasts on whatever podcasting app meets your fancy, whether it's iTunes or Google Podcast or Stitcher or Spotify or the new podcasting app Himalaya. And when you get in your car, tell your smart device to play podcast Locked On Tigers. So yeah, I hope everyone had a fine weekend and that if you were celebrating a holiday, that it was rich with love and family and calories. Also, I hope that you weren't at Comerica Park on Friday because it was really cold. It looked like it was in the 30s and it was very windy. And so maybe that wind played a part in the first inning home run that Jordan Zimmerman gave up to Yohan Moncada, 458 feet to dead center. 109 miles an hour off the bat. One of the longest home runs I've ever seen at Comerica. Apparently, it's the second longest home run to center field since they started counting in 2015, behind only a 466-footer by uh, J.D. Martinez. But despite that, uh, Zimmerman got out of the inning at just 13 pitches after a double play. And then he kind of got in a groove. Second inning, he got the White Sox 1-2-3 on just seven pitches. Uh, Third inning, he let off with a walk, but... Got a nice strikeout on a slider and got out of there with 15 pitches. And the fourth inning was another 1-2-3 inning on only 12 pitches. So, yeah, he was, he was going well so far. Only one run. In the fifth inning, uh, things got a little squirrely. He got a, a ground out, a great play in the hole from Gordon Beckham. Uh, and then Nico dug it out of the dirt to get James McCann. He, I don't expect to see that from Beckham much this year, but that was impressive. But then he gave up a weak single to right field and then a four-pitch walk and then a broken bat single between shortstop and third base on a bit of a hanging slider. So bases are loaded. Then he steps up huge. He gets a three-pitch strikeout against Larry Garcia with three beautiful curveballs down and in. And Garcia swung it on all. He, he couldn't touch him. Then Yohan Moncada comes up, and he takes the exact same pitch in the first first pitch. And so you can tell that this kid has really seen the ball well. And he did. He eventually got an RBI walk, worked the, the count well, and that got Ron Gardner ejected. He came out and started screaming at the ump. And I'm still not entirely sure why he was so upset. The, the balls were kind of close that Zimmerman threw, but they were clearly balls that puts... The White Sox up 2-1. to one. Uh, In the sixth inning, Zimmerman's back out there. Another quick inning. Ground out, deep fly ball, and then a strikeout on James McCann. Looked like it was a curve. Uh, so he comes back out for the seventh, which is always kind of iffy with a starter. And he leads off with a walk to Ryan Cordell, who promptly steals second base. And then Yolmer Sanchez singles on a line drive to center field. Uh, Cordell doesn't score, so it's men first and third. And then Sanchez uh, steals second on a strikeout. So then there's men second and third with one out. And then a weak ground ball from Leury Garcia between first base and second base. Scores two runs, and that's uh, basically it for Zimmerman's night. And really, he was pretty solid. It wasn't his best effort, but six and a third, six hits, five earned runs, four walks, four strikeouts, 97 pitches. The main issue was the walks. Four walks is, is unusual for him. Seven ground balls, three in the air, only eight swings and misses, and none of them were on the fastball, but we know his fastball is not very good. So Daniel Stump comes in, gives up a sharp single to Yohan Mankata, and then Jose Abreu hits a two-run double. So now it's 6-1. to one. The game's really broken open. And then Yonder Alonso gets an RBI on a hard-hit ball off Candelario's glove. And that puts the White Sox up 7-1. to one, And that's basically it. You know, Reed Garrett comes in the 8th, uh, works his way through a little bit of mess, but ends up getting Mancata striking out on a 97-mile-an-hour pitch, which was pretty nice. And then the ninth they gave to Joe Jimenez, who, who's working through some stuff right now. He said he's not terribly comfortable on the mound. But he got out there and got a low-stress inning, got a fly out, and a strikeout on a nasty 93-mile-an-hour fastball, and then another strikeout. So hopefully that helps him. But the bats were going up against Carlos Rodon, and he basically owned them for the, the entire 
outing. Nothing against him in the first two innings, aside from a hard single from Miggy. The third inning, he gets a strikeout on a changeup, which I warned you guys about. Uh, then Jacoby Jones crushes a fly ball to, to center field. It's like 410 feet, but of course in Comerica, that's just a fly out. Then Josh Harrison hits a huge home run, 417 feet out of nowhere on a 90-mile-an-hour fastball. His first is a Tiger, and really his first real hit in 26 at-bats. I'm not counting that double the other day. I don't care what anybody says. Uh, and then Nick Castellanos with a deep fly out to the warning track. So it seems like maybe they're starting to pick up on Rodon's stuff. It was th- lots of hard contact, but but no. It was only 1-1 at that point, and then that was it, basically. Only three more base runners against Rodon. Uh, Nico and Patterson walked in the fourth, and Cabrera walked in the sixth. Those were no more hits against him. Uh, in the fifth, we did see a, a deep fly ball from Grayson Greiner. Made a bid for his first pro home run, but the right fielder made a fine leaping grab and crashed against the wall. But Greiner would get his revenge in the seventh. He actually did hit his first MLB home run on with two outs, and he pulled it, which is something unusual. He mostly hits the ball the other way, but it was 94-mile-an-hour inside fastball, and he pulled it over the wall to make it 7-2. Nothing much happened in the eighth, and then in the ninth, the White Sox bring in Jesus Colomay, their closer, but you know how closers do in games that aren't actually save situations, and he immediately gives up a home run to Nico Goodrum. 95-mile-an-hour pitch leaves much faster than that and goes for a 408-foot home run, uh, Nico's second of the year. Then Jamer gets a bloop double. Uh, Eli Jimenez is with a, not a very great read on that. He's probably going to be a first baseman one day. But then some bad luck as Dustin Peterson hits a hard liner, but it's caught, and Jamer gets doubled off second. And then Gordon Beckham hits a double right past Eloy Jimenez in left field. Again, he's not a good fielder. But Griner flies out, and that's it. The White Sox win 7-3. to And while we're on the topic of Eloy Jimenez, I got a Twitter question from Kyle Walney, and he said, can you do a defensive comparison between Castellanos and Eloy Jimenez on the next podcast? Watching Castellanos is tough, but man, Jimenez has been god-awful out there this series. And I had the exact same opinion watching Jimenez. It was kind of the first time I've seen him in pro ball. And the numbers back up our opinions. But, you know, as always, you can remember defensive statistics, in, in particularly in small samples, are really iffy. You really need, like, three seasons of defensive numbers to make a real conclusion. But anyway, Eloy Jimenez has racked up negative seven defensive run saves so far, which is the second worst in baseball. Castellanos is actually plus one right now. He was negative 19 last year, so he appears to have made uh, some positive changes. Kristen Stewart, who I've ragged on a bit, is negative four in terms of runs saved. Uh, by StatCast's outs above average metric, Eloy is tied with Stewart at negative four, one better than Domingo Santana for the worst in baseball. And again, Nick is plus one there. So yes, the early numbers suggest that Castellanos is better and that Stewart and Eloy are pretty awful. So anyway, Saturday's game was rained out, and we go to Sunday uh, with Daniel Norris on the mound, and he looked pretty solid. In the first batter he faced, there was a foul ball landed in a guy's beer. That was an interesting introduction to the game, but then he gets a strikeout on a slider. It's a hard ground out, and gives up a cheap double to Jose Abreu on a ground ball down the line, the old Adam Everett double. But then he gets Yonder Alonso to ground out. Second inning gives up a hard single to... Yuan Mancada, but that was the last hit that Norris gave up. Then he gets Eloy Jimenez swinging at a 92-mile-an-hour fastball. John Hicks out there with the cannon, nails Mancada trying to steal second, and then Norris gets a strikeout on a fastball down and in. It's kind of a generous call, but I'll take it. Third inning starts with a strikeout, a curve up in the zone uh, for a looking strikeout, and then a swinging strikeout right after that and a foul out. Only 10 pitches. Things look great through three innings. A fourth inning, he gives up a 10-pitch walk to Tim Anderson, which is unusual. Anderson's not terribly patient, but he's on fire right now. But then they pick him off. Except Brandon Dixon in first base can't get the throw to second base properly, and so Anderson gets the second. But then there's a weak pop-out and a fly-out, and then Anderson steals third, but then Norris gets another strikeout. Norris needs a few more pitches to get out of the fifth inning, 19 of them to be exact, but it's still a 1-2-3 inning, and that's it for his day. Five innings, two hits, Norrin runs, one walk, six strikeouts on 79 pitches. He was on a lower pitch count because he hasn't been stretched out much. Only three of the nine balls in play against him were hit harder than 95 miles an hour, which is a, a vast improvement over his earlier outings. He only had six swings and misses, but four of them were for strikeouts, so he timed them well. 
and he threw mostly fastballs. They were sitting around 91, touched 93. Did a really good job of pitching inside to right-handers, and he threw about 10 change-ups, curves and sliders apiece. Was locating the curve up and away, like I mentioned, to righties to the point where they, they couldn't swing at it, and they would just drop in the zone. Solid outing from him. Nothing special, but it kind of reminded me a bit of Matt Moore's first starts this year. So maybe early in the season, Daniel Norris quantum leaped and then met more or something and then came back. Uh, so sixth inning, Buck Farmer comes in, gets a strikeout at 96. Hardliner up the middle, but Beckham was right there. And then a strikeout of Tim Anderson on a changeup. And seventh inning, Farmer comes back out, gets a Jose Abreu looking on a strikeout, 96 miles an hour on the outside edge. It actually looked like it had a little swingback action, but it was listed as a four-seamer, so what do I know? Then they bring in Blaine Hardy, and he gets a couple weak pop-ups. Eighth inning, Hardy's back in there, gets a weak ground out. And we ground out to him the first two outs of the inning. But then things kind of go squirrely. There's a hard grounder to Jamer that he picks up in foul territory. It looks really nice, but the throw can't uh, get the runner in time. And then there's a weak ground ball with eyes between shortstop and third base. And then another weak ground ball with eyes between first and second to make it 4-1. So they bring in Victor Alcantara. And his first pitch is a pass ball that makes it 4-2. And then he gives up a weak liner between third base and shortstop to Tim Anderson to make it 4-3. He gets the ground out of Abreu, but suddenly the game's a lot tighter. But never fear. Shane Green comes in in the ninth, gets a ground out and two strikeouts for his save number 10 on just 12 pitches. He is now tied for the most in baseball with Kirby Yates of San Diego. But how did the Tigers score, you ask? Well, here you go. Nothing really happened in the first inning, but the second inning with one out, Jamer Candelari hit a deep drive to right center field over in that no man's land and then legged out a triple. And then Brandon Dixon came up his first at bat is a Tiger in the major leagues with his generic video game batting stance with his butt sticking out, and hits a bloop single uh, on a fastball that was basically up by his chin, 97 miles an hour. If the infield was in, otherwise it would have been caught. It was the weakest hit ball of the game at 49.9 miles per hour, but uh, he'll take it, even though he was thrown out trying to stretch it into a double. So, was, yeah, his first hit in RBI is a Tiger. So, uh, third inning comes around, John Hicks with a hard double to right center field, basically where Candelario hit it, and he's trying to go for third too, but gets thrown out. The first out at third base, the fundamentals. These Tigers talk about them, but not necessarily showing them all the time. Fourth inning, Nick Castellanos. It's a deep fly ball, ground rule double to start the inning. Uh, and once again, Eloy Jimenez is bad out there. He kind of hurt himself, despite not getting really close to the ball. Cabrera with an RBI single to make it 2 nothing, And then the Nico Goodrum fouls out. Jamer Candelaria strikes out swinging. But Dixon gets another hit. This one, he actually hits hard, 100 miles an hour. But Beckham hits one even harder than that, but right to the second baseman, so they're out of the inning. Nothing happens in the fifth. But then in the sixth, there's a bloop to center field off the bat of Nick Castellanos. But Leroy Garcia drops it, so Nick gets to second. Uh, Cabrera flies out, but then Nico Goodrum with a hard line drive to left center field for an RBI double. Nico steals third, but then Candelario and Dixon strike out on high fastballs to end the threat. And in the seventh, Gordon Beckham hits another home run. Just ridiculous. His third of the year, tie for the team league. And then Hicks gets a single, but three flyouts, and so it's 4 nothing. And that's the way the Tigers scored their four runs, and they held on to a 4-3 win. And let's move on to the Red Sox now. The Tigers are heading into Fenway for a four-game series, and it was looking really ugly for the Red Sox there for a while, but they are now coming off a three-game sweep of the Rays, the first-place Rays. They're still just 9-13, and 13, but the Tigers might be catching them at the wrong time now. The offense is still a little bit iffy. J.D. Martinez is doing what he does. He's hitting 350 with power, although the power numbers aren't quite as gaudy as we're used to. Five doubles and four homers so far. He's not striking out much anymore, though, which is interesting. And you got Xander Bogarts and Andrew Benintendi are playing well, but nothing special. Tigers killer Mitch Moreland leads the team with seven homers now. The main issue so far that uh, last year's MVP, Mookie Betts, is hitting just 244, though that average jumped 44 points over the series against the Rays, so maybe he's finally getting hot. And they're getting really poor contributions from Jackie Bradley, Eduardo Nunez, Steve Pierce, and the corpse of Dustin Pedroia. Those four are combined for negative two war. 
Uh, so for Matt Boyd, you know, it's kind of hard to know how he's going to fare against these hitters because he seems like a different Matt Boyd now. The, the numbers in, in the past aren't too scary. Uh, Moreland has hit him. Five for 16 with three doubles and a homer, so watch out for that. And Benintendi is four for eight with a homer, but not much other damage. And the bullpen should be mostly rested and ready to take on the Red Sox. Hardy and Farmer both threw 20-plus pitches yesterday, but I assume everyone else is good. The real issue so far for the Red Sox this season has been pitching. They're bottom five in the ERA, which brings us to Chris Sale. And Tigers fans are, of course, well acquainted with Chris Sale uh, from when he was with the White Sox. Whether it was him claiming somebody in the stands was using binoculars to steal signs, or him destroying special jerseys, or serving up a Hollywood homer to J.D. Martinez, one of the coolest moments I've ever seen live, or constantly losing to Justin Verlander. But uh, yeah, this doesn't appear to be the same guy, at least not yet. He's 0-4 with an 8.50 ERA. His strikeouts have gone from 13.5 per nine innings last year to 7 per nine this year, and his home run rate is skyrocketed, and his average fastball is two miles an hour slower than it was last season, though it apparently jumped from 92 to 96 in his last start, so maybe he's found things too. If he's back, that's obviously a bad sign for the Tigers. Cabrera has good career numbers against him, 283 with four homers and 53 at-bats, although this isn't uh, vintage Cabrera either, so who knows. The only other hitters who have seen him much are Castellanos, who is just 6 for 26 with 17 strikeouts, and Jacoby Jones, who is 1 for 11 with 8 strikeouts. So either Sale is really hurt and the Tigers are going to tee off on him, or this subpar offense will be what gets him back on track. So... As far as the Red Sox bullpen, it's been okay. Second most strikeouts by any bullpen, but it's also a bit homer prone. Their best reliever is probably Matt Barnes, who figured some things out in the last uh, few seasons. Throws his fastball in the mid-90s, but he throws a ton of curves, and he'll throw the occasional splitter. He's not their closer, though. Their closer is Ryan Brazier, spelled like Brazier, who reached the majors in 2013. Then he got hurt, spent a couple years in the minors, then was in Japan, and then randomly showed up with the Red Sox last year, came up in July, and was getting critical outs in the postseason. It was really kind of a cool story. Yeah, there are other relievers on the team, too, but it's a four-game series, so we don't have to go through everything. We'll talk about that tomorrow. And because it was Easter, I figured we'd finish with just some Easter-themed baseball player names, just for fun. So we'll start off with probably the most famous one of all is Rabbit Marinville. He was a Hall of Fame infielder. His real name was Walter James Vincent, but he was very small, but basically the Altuve of his time, like five foot five and maybe 140 pounds. He wasn't that great of a hitter, but he was well-regarded for his defense. He became known for a very bizarre way of catching pop flies, where he would hold his arms at his side until the last second and then make a little basket by his waist and catch the ball that way. Yeah, like I said, he made the Hall of Fame. He played 23 years and ended up dying, unfortunately, a couple weeks before he was elected to the Hall of Fame. Then we move to Luke Easter. Uh, His real name was actually Luscious, which is fantastic. He played in the Negro Leagues for a while. He was big and strong, like 6'4", 240 pounds. He hit mythical home runs. Supposedly hit a line drive homer that cleared center field in the polo grounds where the wall was like 480 feet away. Uh, He was the 11th black player in Major League Baseball history. And he hit 86 homers in his first three full seasons in the majors. But he was already in his mid-30s, if not older. And he suffered some injuries and basically spent the rest of his career being an attraction in the minor leagues where he hit close to 250 homers. He played until he was 48. That's uh, pretty impressive. Then you got Joe Rabbit. There's another good name. Played in only two games in 1922, but he went one for three with a run scored. Then you've got Bunny Fabrique, a shortstop actually from Clinton, Michigan, who played in 27 games in 1916 and 1917. He hit uh, 200 with one homer. But we can move away from the Rabbits. Let's go with Jesus Aguilar, first baseman who came up with the Indians and didn't do much, then saw his career resurrected in Milwaukee. He hit 274 with 35 homers last year, but he's now off to a great start this season. And then how about Jake Lamb? He currently plays for the Diamondbacks, and he hit 59 home runs between 2016 and 2017 before losing most of last year to injuries. And then we've got uh, Tom Connolly, nicknamed Ham. He played 50 games in 1915. We've got Chocolate Calderon, who played three games in Cuba in 1911. Then you got Ed Lennox, who was nicknamed Eggy. 
played periodically from 1906 to 1915, and when he did play, he was really damn good. And if you got Eggies, you're going to have to have a hunt. So in this case, we'll talk about Dick Hunt, who played 11 games in 1872 with the Brooklyn Eckfords. Good old Dick Hunt. So, that's it for our show today. I appreciate everyone for listening, and I remind you to please download, rate, and review, and tell your friends. Send me questions or comments, either on Twitter at LockedOnTigers, or at Gmail at LockedOnTigers at gmail.com. And I'll be back tomorrow to break down the first game in this Red Sox series, and we'll discuss anything else that's new and noteworthy in baseball. So, thanks for listening. I'll talk to you tomorrow.